Hey guys, yeah, you see the title below, we are live, and yes, Super Chats, if you want to contribute to a Super Chat, are indeed um, on right now, and we are here as I adjust the camera, and I allow ads to be inserted in, but yeah, welcome to today's live stream and again the title says it best down below or in the description depending on how you view this we are looking at basically basically ladies and gentlemen um as i make sure it's working here doo, 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 there it is we are looking at basically the top Nine finales in My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. Now, of course, yes, from an animation standpoint, uh, there was only nine seasons of MLP. We all know that. But there's a lot of people that have been doing countdowns to what they consider are some of the best uh, songs, some of the best uh, episodes, you know, some of the best premieres, what have you. And I figured, well, a lot of them are doing that through, you know, obviously, you know, pre-production and all that. Basically, they they record the voiceover, they bring in the imagery and all that. So I figured, why not try to do something that's just about the same, but a little bit more different. And the difference being that it's live, that basically off the top of my head, without a script, just give you my honest to God opinions of what I feel are the best of the top nine finales out of all nine uh, finales, if you will, of MLP FIM. And, you know, there are a lot of finales. There are no doubt about that. So uh, with that said, as um, hold on for a sec while I do something here, let me, um, Copy this, the link. Go to Twitter. But yeah, these are basically the top nine, in my opinion, uh, when it comes to finales. Now, some of them you may or may not agree with. And, you know, the, um, you know, and that's fine. You know what? You know, that's your opinion on how you feel about things. Things, if you or not, do you agree or not agree? You know. Um, so again, it's, you know, it's, uh, one of those, basically it's just one of those countdowns to where it's, you know, just one person's opinion. And if you feel different about it, that's fine. You know, I, I don't have a, I don't have a issue with that, but again, these are just my opinions. You know, I'm just letting you know what my thoughts are on it. Um, if I can get, you know, you know the highlighting to, to work here. For some odd reason, Microsoft Edge has been having some uh, issues lately when it comes to you wanting to highlight uh, certain things uh, to copy, like certain words and all that. So I don't know if maybe it's just something that's been, that's been going on. I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. But, yeah, anyway, like I said, these are just the top nine, in my opinion. And like I said, you have a difference of opinion if you feel whether or not you agree with me on it. And 
you know, it's not a problem, if you will, in my opinion. Um, I just feel that these, when I list them off the way I will, are some of, you know, they're, they're basically good, but they're not, they're not like, you know, in a position to where they could be like in a top five or a top three or even the very top, um, if you will, uh, when it comes to things. So... So it's, again, these are just, you know, my opinion on what I feel honestly are the top nine um, episodes um, out there, or not episodes, but finales when it comes to the series. And some of you may or may not agree, and that's fine, and I have no problem with that. Like I said. I know I repeated myself there, but again, I have no problem with that because every time somebody does a countdown of any kind, especially when it comes to a show that's been running for who knows how long, you know, usually they'll say this, they'll usually do a countdown like this. Whether it is live, like what I'm doing, or they'll do it, you know, pre-recorded, you know, edited and all that. You know, they'll give their their thoughts on it and they'll be like, well, yeah, this is why I feel this is listed at, you know, where it's at and everything. So, you know, you know, that, that'll be the reason. It's like, it's like with uh, Firebrand, a.k.a. Josh Scorcher, when he did his, um, you know, his countdown on the top, top uh, best and worst songs in MLP, you know, he basically said that overall these are his opinions. And he gave reason as to why... You know, he considered them, in his opinion, you know, to be the, the very best um, out of the series. And there are a lot, he even named it, it's like almost nearly, God, what, almost nearly 200 songs, nearly about that. So in a, in a series that ran for over 220 episodes. So kind of crunch it down to what it was it's like seriously that's you know that's saying something <laughs> typing this all up and everything in the tags uh, takes a bit because you gotta basically list them all off by like season and all that when people want to look up information Run, baby. And, uh, yeah, I think that's all we're going to do is up to season eight. Because I already put series finale. So, yeah, that about works. Um, so, anyway, we're going to get to talking about that in just a moment. But if you excuse me for a second, I got to use the facilities real quickly. I'll be right back. But we, when I get back, we will be doing the top nine, in my opinion. So I'll be right back, guys.
Okay, guys, I am back, and as we get ready to link this up and everything, everything's cool. All right. And let me make sure everything is working on the other end here. Basically, you know, even though I have my blue snowball mic connected, it's going to make sure everything is working. Everything is working. Here it is. Okay. So, with that said, let's uh, list off uh, basically what I consider the top nine um, in the finales of when it comes to My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. Again, like I said, I'm doing this off the top of my head uh, without a script, you know, just on the fly, if you will, you know, al natural. So, so um so yeah, let's let's start off and let's start off with my pick for number nine. And the pick for number nine, some of you may or may not agree with. And that pick, believe it or not, um, is Magical Mystery Cure. That's right, Magical Mystery Cure. And I know some people might be like, well, why would you list that? at number nine or anything. Well, mainly it's because of the fact that when you hear uh, what others have had to say a or something like that. There you go. Just got to fix something there for a second. Uh, but anyway, when you hear people do countdowns, uh, some of the best episodes, if not some of the best finales, maybe if they're doing that as well, uh, a lot of them... You know, when it comes to talking about the episodes, sometimes even talking about the finales, whether it's in a, like I said, a top a top tier countdown or just what they consider to be some of the best episodes of a season, like Voice of Reason. You know, he'll at times do a best uh, best and worst of a, a season deal, and he's done that for most of the series. Um, sometimes, you know, I think when I don't know if he listed this. Um, as part of the worst or whatever. But when I hear people talking about all the episodes and the finales, the one that gets talked about the least, even though it has significance to it, major significance, is Magical Mystery Cure. And the reason being is because of the fact that, like Best Night... uh, I think, what was it? Best Night Ever or Best Night Out, um, I think that was the finale for season one, wasn't it? Best night ever, best night out. One of them, I think that. Uh, well, not one of them, but that was the name. Let me let me see something here. Hold on, guys. But anyway, like I was saying, when you uh, when people talk about okay, best night ever, that's what it was. Okay, but anyway, when when people are talking about the episodes of each season and sometimes conversing of what they consider uh, to be the very best as I, as I adjust the thing, my camera here, because it looks like it's a little crooked. I don't know why. Maybe it's just the way it's displayed. Um, but anyway, when uh, basically people talk about, and my, I was just checking, make sure it's all balanced. That being the camera, 
Okay. But basically, uh, when people would uh, talk about... Yeah, I, I, <laughs> oh, this camera's going to drive me crazy a little bit, guys. Let me, let me just adjust this a bit. Well, it's not driving me crazy. It's just, I think it's the way it's angulared or angled and all that kind of throws me off. Yeah, I guess it is. I guess it is fine. Uh, but anyway, what was it? Oh, yeah. What I was getting at is when you, when people talk about a lot of the episodes, in my opinion, from what I've seen, and, you know, they talk about, um, as I bring the camera up a little bit more. Um, they, they talk when they talk about a lot of the episodes from a season or if not throughout the series, one of the episodes they talk about the least or they talk about is like being in the bottom of, you know, episodes like, you know, forget finales and all that. But let's say, you know, overall top 225 episodes, if you will. Um, you kind of get what I'm saying. Basically, the best if they would have said, if they didn't do, I'll put it this way: if they wanted to do a top two hundred twenty-six episode um, a countdown, basically counting down the top two hundred twenty-six episodes from what is considered the two hundred twenty-six episode, you know, basically the least, the very least best one to the very best, then somewhere in the middle, like in the two hundred range, maybe in the upper 170th, 175 range, between, I would say this way, between 175 and 226, that's where you would find Magic Mystery Cure, in my opinion. Because even though, as I was trying to say, it has significance, you know, in what it brings to the table, basically it's the episode which introduced Twilight as an alicorn, basically, as some people would say, jump the shark with her, you know, not a lot of people talk about it because, as I was trying to say, it's kind of very similar, if not identical, to season one's finale, Best Night Ever, because of the fact that that finale is just a half-hour episode. Yes, I will admit, and it has been doc documented, that in some way, Magic Mystery Cure is just the prelude, the first part to a three-part uh, uh, story. Because I think even the staff themselves at one point said that Magic Mystery Cure was just the first part of three. I think Megan McCarthy um, even said that. I think Megan McCarthy even said that it was the first, the first of three. You know, she didn't say... You know, it was a standalone deal that it was basically the first. It was the first of, like I said, three, uh, a three-parter. And that you have to tune into season four to see the rest of it. And we'll see the other two, to see the next two parts. And I'll admit that's an interest, that that's kind of an interesting concept. It's not really that new because other shows, animated and live action, have done something similar. But it is an interesting concept to go with because um, of the fact that when you, you know, 
you know, you look at the significance of what it does by basically making Twilight an alicorn and give and basically the reasoning for her for her doing so was she completed a spell that Star Swirl could not complete and made it her own. And that the purpose for her to do this was for her to, I guess, read off her spell or something like that that caused her friends' memories and um, destinies to be changed. In other words, you have rarity in the plate, you know, you have rarity being in charge of the weather and all that, which, which, which originally is Rainbow Dash's job. You have, I think, what is it? Uh, Rainbow Dash in charge of what Pinky does. Pinky in charge of what Apple does. I think Applejack. No, wait a minute. It's no Rainbow. But no, wait a minute. What was it? Oh yeah, Rarity in charge of Rainbow Dash's job. Rainbow Dash in tra- charge of Fluttershy's. Pinky in charge of Applejack's. Um, Applejack's in charge of Rarities. So yeah, you basically have all of them switching destinies, and this is all part of. You know, basically a plan, a fin. Base. Hold on for a sec. Sorry about that. Portfolio deal, something like that. Calling. Um, they constantly call. I don't know why. They always call automatic. I just answer and then hang up. Easy. Anyway. Sorry about that, but what was I? Oh, yeah. But like I said, the, basically their destinies are changed over. The memories of, you know, the, the memories and destinies of what they're supposed to do and be have changed. So Twilight has to fix this by finishing a spell that Stars will, you know, fail to finish and make it her own. This enabled her to not only fix the problem, but also enabled her to uh, gain... Uh, the power that she needed, or get, or basically pass, I guess you could say, uh, the finals, if you will, the her final test to becoming uh, into becoming a princess. Now, true, this does all tie into what Lauren Faust originally wanted. Lauren Faust wanted Twilight to become a princess, but as I've mentioned many times, and others have kind of agreed, I don't think Lauren Faust, you know, saw the show going for as long as it did. You know, she didn't see the show going for, you know, as long as it, as it, you know, as it ran, if you know what I'm saying. So to um, basically, so to basically um, have part of her goals accomplished, but also be utilized and served as a, as a prelude, as the first of three parts Arts or the first of a three-part story, which the other two you have to, which if you want to watch the the other two, you have to tune into season four. Uh, for anyway, uh, basically, uh, basically, you know, again, what, what I'm trying to say is, you know, at least that goal was accomplished and there was significance to it. However, when you get down when you get down down to it, when it comes to people, like I say, talking about the episodes, you know, overall the season, 
overall, you know, certain episodes for a season or certain episodes throughout the entire show, Magic Mystery Cure is always like listed off, you know, in the in the very at the very bottom. Like I mentioned, you know, it's or like I said, if somebody wanted to do uh, a top tw- 226 countdown of all the episodes from what is considered the very least favorite to the very best, Magic Mystery Cure would be located, in my opinion, from what I've seen and heard from people, between 175 and 226. Basically, it'd be listed off in one of those countdown numbers, uh, either number 175 or number 226. That It would be in between that that frame. And again, you know, I understand people might disagree with me on that, and that's fine. I, I don't, it doesn't matter if you, you know, to me, it doesn't matter if you agree or not. I mean, it's, my, again, this is just my opinion. And I feel honestly that uh, basically, um, when you look at all the episodes that get listed off by people or talked about, Magic Mystery Cure is always kind of like the least talked about. And it's and I think it's considered again, and it's and I think the reason I'm trying to say is it's because of the fact it's because of the fact that you know to a lot of folks it jumped the shark. I mean, I think Del Wilsonator Despio, you know, acknowledged this. I think what was it in the when the analysis Bronies react when the analysis Brony Bronies, as they're called, were doing a reaction video to the season six premiere. Or I, I think it was that, or was it one of his at the screenings with Voice of Reason? One of them. It was one of them. But anyway, he acknowledged, you know, how some people, he, he acknowledged, uh, as, as I guess, using, uh, using it as an example, he acknowledged the meltdown that the fandom had when it came to, you know, Alicorn Twilight, to Twilight basically being uh, an Alicorn, if you know what I mean. You know, so they weren't, so, you know, the fandom wasn't too thrilled, and that's why it's always talked about the least, even though, like I said, it has significance. I mean, the two epi- the two part of that concludes uh, that connects with Magic Mystery Cure, that concludes this whole uh, story arc of Twilight be going from a regular unicorn to an alicorn. Um, basically, you know, that episode is looked at as being more significant and important than Magic Mystery Cure. It's almost like they ignore Magic Mystery Cure. They basically look at, okay, Hasbro wanted to bring out... Uh, this alicorn princess version of twilight so you know what we'll just act like you know season four you know we'll just act like season the season four premiere that when we first see her as an alicorn that it's just part of change it's just to tie in now with the new toy and they're gonna and we'll just roll along with it and you know whatever backstory they give us to explain why she's an alicorn now you know we'll go along with it and that's why, even though they understand Magic Mystery Cure is the first part in a three-part story arc that connects with the season four premiere, 
you know, they'll like they'll basically ignore it and just act like you know the season four premiere is its own thing, and that whatever expositional background we get through that, you know, they'll accept. So, in my opinion, you know, this is why uh, basically, uh, twilight, you know, Twilight Sparkle is not Twilight Sparkle, but Magic Mystery Cure is listed, in my opinion as being number nine on this countdown, because it, even though it has significance, it has importance, you know, it is the least talked about. It's the least talked about because, you know, nobody, you know, nobody really likes it. Nobody, you know, really wants to excuse me, give it a chance or anything. So again, it's just, like I said, it's just my, my opinion it's my opinion on that. And um, again, you can uh, agree or disagree, whatever you want on and all that. But um, again, it's just an opinion. And uh, that's, that's really about it. So um, even though I think, even though I think people should give it more credit and everything, and at least should give it a chance, because like I said, when you, if, if this I'll put it this way. If this episode was as um, as somebody that I follow here on YouTube and on social media, Zara Nizarak, uh, Sean McLean of the Multimedia Chronicles would say, or as used in previous um, video, uh, closer look or closer look videos or updates or whatever. Um, he would say that when it comes to multi-part stories, even and he would agree, even with the first part being serving like a finale for one season and the next two serving as a part of the premiere. Basically, Zara Nizarak would come out and say that, you know, even though you may not like one of the parts, like specifically the first part, that you can't really, you know, enjoy the the whole premise of what's going on unless you have that part. And if all three parts were streamlined together as a movie, if you will, then yeah, you would have to watch that part to get the whole uh, shebang, the whole um, uh, concept behind Magic Mystery Cure. Again, like I said, it's basically concluding what um, originally uh, what uh, originally what Lauren Faust wanted to do. Lauren Faust wanted uh, Twilight to be an eloquent. She wanted her to be a princess. And, you know, that's what she got. You know, she ended up getting that. So, you know, that's kind of cool to see that happen, uh, in my opinion. It's kind of cool to see that happen, uh, in my opinion. So, anyway. Anyway, um, that's about it for number nine. All right, so... So that's about it for the first uh, finale in the countdown at number nine being Magic Mystery Cure. Again, like I said, the reason it's at number nine is because when you listen to what other people say when they come and talk about episodes, it's never really brought up that much, only in passing sometimes. It's only brought up when it has when people are talking about the season four premiere and even the continuity nod to it uh, when it came to the season seven finale. So that's the only time you ever probably hear people acknowledge, um, you know, it in a major way. So anyway, now on to 
So now on to number eight in the countdown. And number eight is the cutie remark. And I know some people are mixed about this episode or this two-part finale. Uh, but the one thing I will say about it is at least throughout season five, you have somewhat of a constant continuity to it and connection. Uh, mainly because of the fact that there are certain episodes, uh, spra- uh, what is it? Uh, there are certain episodes spread throughout uh, season five where you see the connection between the ending of the season five premiere, the cutie mark, or the cutie mark map, or the cutie map, and the cutie remark. And the reason I say you see a certain connections spread throughout is because the continuity that connects them all is no matter what place Twilight is at uh, with her friends or on her own or with one of the main characters or with a supporting character, who's hiding in the background? Who's hiding in the background? Starlight. Starlight is the one that's hiding in the background. She's always following Twilight. She's hiding her uh, there was a review that um, there was a review that Silver Quill uh, did uh, collabed with on uh, with uh, uh, with uh, I love KP a lot and basically he did this not once but he did it twice. He did it on his own solo review of Amending Fences. And then, like I said, he did it with the collab that uh, he did with uh, KP. And that collab, and basically, he was poking fun at the fact that, you know, it was op- that to the audience, like himself, when he would first see it, it was obvious that Starlight was following Twilight. And that all Twilight had to do was maybe just turn her head around, notice that the uh, original main style uh, of Starlights to kind of see, oh, wait a minute, is that who I think it is? Because that obviously, if if we, the viewers, can spot these little uh, clues here and there, you know, if we could, uh, if we as, as viewers could spot these little details here and there, why can't the characters in context kind of be like, hey, who is that over there? And then notice the main and then maybe see her run off and then start connecting the dots. Because when you get to this finale, this finale was good. It introduced a lot of interesting concepts. I'm not denying that. It introduced a lot of interesting concepts. It even opened a lot of speculation, a lot of um, questions to be theorized and speculated on because the premise of this finale is you have Starlight showing that she's just as powerful um, as Twilight and that she is going to do whatever it takes to get what she wants, not realizing the consequences that would follow. And what made this episode so popular um, in the eyes of a lot of fans, even though it got a bit of a mixed reaction because of its ending, because of the ending we got, as well as the reasoning behind Starlight's uh, motivation. Uh, basically, the reason this uh, two-part finale was so popular in the eyes of a lot of fans was because of the fact 
that it introduced all these different alternate realities, all these alternate timelines of what could be E or what could change significantly if something didn't happen the way it should. And the fact that it ties in at the end to Rainbow Dash's rainboom that she did back when she was a filly being so important. I mean, even Rainbow Dash comes out at the end and when Twilight explains what happened to the rest of the main group, you know, Rainbow Dash is surprised like, wow, I knew my Sonic Rainboom was important, but I didn't know it was that important. You know, it's like it even surprises her. You know, it even surprises her. So, so yeah, you know, um, basically, again, the, the, uh, the two-parter is, like I said, a very popular two-parter. But again, it's one that's very mixed because the, the one thing that brings it down for a lot of people, as I mentioned, was what's the revelation of Starlight's motivation, you know, as to why she wants to do this, why she did what she did at the beginning of the season and why she wanted to change things. And the motivation being that her friend Sunburst, you know, in her mind, abandoned her when he got his, his cutie mark. I mean, she said it best when she finally explained the reasoning that in her mind, he got his cutie mark. She didn't. He got to move on with his life. She didn't. And a lot of fans, even those that are known for bringing the fandom, you know, to the pop coat. Um, what I'm trying to say is even those that are known for helping to bring the franchise into the pop culture phenomenon that it is today. Even they, like Thespio, AC Racebest, um, Silverquill, I'm pretty sure. Um, I lo- uh, let's see, Keyframe, Golden Fox, you know, Lightning Bliss. Any one of them that has uh, done a review has done a, a review or reaction to this finale have all kind of pretty much said the same thing. Like, really? So you decided to become an ultravert. Uh, uh, what is it, what is it called? A ultravert, if you will, all because your friend that you your closest friend in your mind abandoned you, and because of this, you didn't decide to go and seek other friends, and you just carried this for so long to the point that it just drove you to to this to this moment to where you want to you know get rid of key marks forever so that you know you'll never have to lose your friend. What's interesting about this is it takes Twilight to show her exactly, even before this, to show her exactly what the consequences are going to be if she continues doing this. And Twilight says the one thing um, at the end, and when she finally convinces Starlight to basically reconsider what she's doing, she says, so don't. So, so don't let, she basically tells her, well, then don't let this hold you down. Don't make this the reason why you want vengeance. If you, you know, don't make, make this the reason why you can't make friends. Go out and make friends. Go make some new ones. Get people to help you out. And the fact that Twilight's the one that offers a hoof as a form of that friendship saying, hey, look, I'll be the first. I'll be the first to offer the olive branch and, and help you get back to what you are or what you can be. You know, again, it's a mixed reaction by a lot of folks because, 
you know, one, the motivation for, like I said, for Starlight doing what she did is ridiculous. You know, a lot of us have had friends. We still are friends with them, but they've all moved on to their own lives. It doesn't mean we just, you know, let those friends that leave us and us leaving them, we don't let that absence affect us. And that's why a lot of people are kind of mixed about it. Like the concept throughout, you know, the different timelines and alternate realities are great and everything, but it's basically the 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 ending, the reasoning as to why Starlight was doing what she did. But then on top of that, you have the redemption. Now, some are cool with it because they kind of see when you go into season six, that season six uh, is basically um, Starlight's redemption story or her rehabilitation as Katie Patterson, a.k.a. Midnight Sonata, um, pointed out in her um, in the reaction video her and Thespio did for season six, or at least in the deleted extended scenes video uh, they posted on um, on Thespio's channel, Dal Wilsonator's channel. Um, basically, you know, there are, again, there are some that are cool with this because, you know, they decide, okay, well, let's see what season six is going to be. And season six is essentially, I think you could see it right off the beginning, is the start of her, rehabilita- her rehabilitation and her redemption. Because what does she do or what does she attempt to do in that finale? Exactly. So, yeah, you know, the cutie remark, overall, potent, you know, in the eyes of a lot of people, potentially started out very good, had, gre- had a great and interesting concept throughout. But what really brought it down to for some people was the re- was the reasoning behind Starlight's motivations for doing what she was doing, as well as the re- resolution and the redemption, if you will. So, yeah, overall, it's uh, it's just one of those uh, finales that you know it's it's mixed. Like it starts out good, and but for a majority of fans, it kind of comes down a little bit, especially like I said when the revelation as to why star basically basically what I'm trying to say is, and let me get some coffee here. <laughs> we have to take a break and get another one. Hold on in a moment. Anyway, but like I said, the, what brings it down, like it starts out good in the eyes of a lot of folks with the interesting concepts of realities and different timelines of, you know, that could occur if this happened or that happened. But, you know what brings it down though for a lot of folks is the revelate is when starlight reveals why she's doing what she's doing the revelation basically as to why she's going as far as she's going to get rid of cutie marks you know why she wants everybody to be equal and stuff like that and then of course the redemption at the end which leads us into season 6 because Basically, it's in season five where uh, Twilight does offer to teach Starlight. She she decides to teach Starlight to kind of you know about friendship, help, help her get back to that, be back to uh, back to the pony she's always meant to be. And I'm sure you know some fans weren't expecting her to that to be continued on into season six. But again, if you look at you know like I said, the previous episode that's that I talked about at the beginning tying into season four's premiere 
Well, Starlight's <laughs> redemption that began at the end of season five carries in to the season six premiere and throughout season six itself. So, yeah, at number eight, we have the cutie remark. Now, what is number seven? Excuse me. What is number seven? Well, that's an interesting one. But I think for me, number seven, um, number seven, excuse me there. Number seven has to be, and I'll let you know in a moment. I'm going to get me some coffee. Be right back, guys. Okay, guys, I'm back, but I'm probably going to get back up again because I'm letting my coffee make right now. But anyway, at number seven, I know some people or a lot of people like this one because it is the first season finale that we got. I have to go with Best Night Ever. Now, the reason I want to go with this one is because mainly the fact that, again, just like with Magic Mystery Cure, it's only 30 minutes. Um, and it doesn't really have much significance uh, to the rest of the show. I mean, yes, it does. Yes, it does have a continuity nod. Um, and what about Discord and all that? So, and, and other episodes, it's nodded at. But it really doesn't have too much significance. And it is kind of, <laughs> it is kind of a parody. Some people have actually talked about this. It is kind of a uh, parody to, to you know, kind of mocking Disney a little bit, you know, with the way it's presented stuff, or the way each character is presented um, in the episode, and you know, and their ambitions, you know, especially like with Rarity, she wants to find her Prince Charming, but her Prince Charming turns out to be a dud, uh, which is why I'm pretty sure a lot of Sparity fans were happy about that, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, and especially with the fact that, you know, they did uh, a nod to a grass to Rarity losing one of her last slippers and, you know, her going back there and, and Pinkie Pie noticing it and it's like, oh, look, Rarity, you left, you left your crest slipper. Now your Prince Charming will find you, kind of something like that. And Rarity's like, uh-uh. 
you know, runs back up there, stomps the stomps and breaks the glass slipper, and then grabs Pinky and then leaves. So, um, yeah, and you know, it, it is memorable for being basically a mock, you know, kind of a parody, a, a mocking of Disney, uh, if you will. And I'll be right back. Right, but guys had to get me some more coffee. But anyway, it, like I was saying, it's basically a, a mock-up. It's basically Hasbro and DHX and everybody there just deciding, hey, let's let's take this finale and make a mockery of Disney. Just make fun of what Disney always stood for at the time, like happy endings and Prince Charming's and da 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 da. I mean, <laughs> I mean the fact that everything just backfires on. On you know, just kind of backfires, blows up in the face of the entire group. It's it's really cool. I mean, especially you know Twilight's uh, reaction when she sees what's happened, and you know, and then she obviously sees that you know, like I said, and what I'm trying to get is Twilight's reaction also at the end when she walks into there and it's like, uh oh, uh huh, you know, because you know she's trying to make a good impression. But it's Celestia, but it's Celestia that tells her not only to run, and you kind of, when she tell, and, and that's the one thing I don't think some people point out, is when Celestia and Twilight walk into the, the gala, or into the main hall and see what happened, and, and, and they've seen what's happened, and, you know, Cele- and Twilight's like, uh, 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 <laughs> you know, Celestia is the one that has to, you know, tell her, run, <laughs> you know. You know, so and that's what happens, and they end up running. They end up leave. She and the rest of the main six end up re- leaving, but you can tell just by, you know, Celestia telling her to run, and then Celestia meeting them, meeting up with them at Donut Joe's at the end, and explaining all. It's basically explaining that you know the reason she invited Twilight and her friends to come was hopefully they would do exactly what they did, and that's livening up the event because it's always boring. And this is, again, nodded at, actually, continuity nodded at in What About Discord? When Twilight reveals, hey, why do you think I invited Discord? <laughs> you know? And it's not only in this episode, in this finale, and along with that episode, in, I think, was it season five or six? You know, What About Discord? Or did you start seeing a bit of personality out of her? Out of Celestia? 
But it's just this one moment here where I think a lot of fans, even before we started to get that, those little moments here and there throughout the series up until about season five and six and and then later on, uh, basically, you know, that's, this is, in my opinion, how fans started to interpretate in fan art and fan fiction or fan fiction, if you will. They started to interpretate Celestia. They started to notice, hey, maybe there's more to this character than we're letting then that's then what's being led on. So, so yeah, you know, best night ever. It's it's a good finale, but it's never really considered to be like a top tier one in the eyes of a lot of fans. I mean, some people may put it in uh, into the um, you know, some people may put it into the into their top five, and that's great. They want to do that. That's fine. I, I don't have a uh, you know, if you want, if you feel it's a top five episode or a top three episode, that's your opinion. If you feel it's a top five or top three finale, that's your opinion. But uh, to me, it ranks at number seven because, again, it's only a half hour. Uh, it doesn't really have any significance in the following season, like any, um, you know, any nods or anything until, like I say, many, several seasons later on. So. So, yeah, you know, to me, it's just one of those episodes that um, I think, honestly, you know, if you if you feel it should be ranked higher, in your opinion, then that's fine. But I feel that out of all the nine, excuse me, out of all the nine finales we've had, this one has to rank up, has to rank it, has to rank here, because, again, it has... It doesn't have too much significance. I mean, the only continuity that it has within the first season is with Ticketmaster. And, of course, that has moments in there, especially the ending, that if you're an Apple Spike fan and shipper, like a Disney fanatic is, that you're happy, that you're kind of cool, that you, you know, these are moments that you're kind of cool with, you're kind of happy about. Because it's like, oh, are they teasing? Because to you, you're thinking, oh, right, because to you, uh, what I'm trying to say is to you as a fan, you're thinking, oh, wait a minute. We know there's something with Rarity and Spike, or they're teasing something there, but are they now teasing something with Applejack and Spike as well? It's like, you know, you start thinking that, especially when you go and rewatch the episodes um, now that the series is officially uh, over animation-wise, not comic book-wise, but animation-wise. Um, basically you start going back and rewatching the episodes and you're like, and you, and, and when you see a moment like that in Ticketmaster, especially the ending, you're thinking, are they trying to tease by not only being interested, um, in rarity, but now maybe Re- Applejack being interested in Spike. It's like, what? You know, it, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of weird. It's kind of confusing, but, um, yeah, honestly, though, um, that's the only connection within the season that uh, continuity-wise has any significance with this episode because even afterwards, like I said, the only nods to it are several seasons later. So overall, at number seven, best night ever, it's good. But again, the reason it's ranked here is mainly because of the fact that it is you know, just a half hour and it, 
until several seasons later on, it doesn't have really any significance continuity-wise. I could be wrong. Let me know in the live chat or in the comment section below. And again, super chats are indeed open if you want to donate um, as well. Now, on to the sixth one, number six. And number six is going to be to wear and back again. That's right, to wear and back again. Um, is that number six? And even though some people might want to rank this a little higher, um, to me it's all right. Uh, I mean, the twist towards the end when you have the entire group that Starlight brings together to help rescue the main six, uh, or the main seven, if you will, and the princesses and everybody that's been captured. When you have the twist at the end that they even they are captured is really something. It's really something. Um, but overall, the, the finale was, I thought, okay. I mean, it was nice that it, it was nice that what the creative staff was doing, and this was just the beginning, obviously. But what the creative staff was doing was testing the waters. Uh, with uh, different characters to focus on outside of the main seven, the main six, if you will. So to have them start that here with Starlight and Thorax and Discord and Trixie, I thought was a good move. I thought it was okay. Um, the fact that they could not rely on magic that much because you know that's kind of like a magnet, if you will. Uh, to the uh, Changeling Kingdom and for Crystalis and stuff. And the throne, I guess, that Crystalis was on feeds off of it. So I thought that was uh, an interesting... So I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, the fina the ending... The ending, though, like I said, you have... Not only do you have the twist of her group, most of her group being captured behind her back, and she finds this out when she goes right into the king into the Changeling Hive, and not only sees the main seven and Celestia and Luda and Cadence and Shining all, all of them all cocooned inside these, all trapped within these uh, slime cocoons to where they'll basically be, to basically Crystalis has the plan to just feed on them for all eternity and everything. Um, but also the fact that she notices that her friends that were accompanying her were also captured. And it's like, what is going on here? So, you know, again, that was just one of uh, the twists that you had. One of the twists that you had there. The other twist, though, was one, again, that just like with the redemption and the revelation in, in um you know, in the season five finale, I was trying to think there what, what I was about to say. And the season five finale was kind of met with mixed reaction. The second twist here where basically, you know, Starlight figures out that, oh, if you feed off love, what if you do it in reverse and you give love? What happens then? What if a changeling gives love instead of feeding off it? And then we see the end result, which is, you know, they end up in a little cocoon temporarily, and then they come out with a new form. 
And some people were kind of mixed about that, obviously, because they're like, really? So hold on for a sec. Guys, just checking something. But again, um, a lot of people are like, really? So this is how you're going to reform the changelings by basically having them do what they've been doing throughout the fina- throughout the series, but do it in reverse, do the exact opposite instead of feeding, giving. This is how you're going to redeem them. So again, it was kind of met with mixed reaction. And mostly the redesign of the changelings when it came to them, you know, kind of re- going through that redemption by giving love instead of feeding, you know, was also met with mixed reaction because some people even, um, there were some fans that, from what I understand, maybe I'm wrong, that felt that by having to change the, by giving the changelings these kind of designs as part of their redemption, you know, for about, you know, with them going the opposite way and giving love instead of feeding it. You know, some people felt that, and I say this with no offense, felt like it was Hasbro way, Hasbro's way of acknowledging the LGBTQ community because of some of the designs um, that the Changeling characters were given. So, so yeah, it's um, so yeah, it was a you know kind of an interesting concept to go with. Uh, the one thing that fans are thankful for, though, when it comes to this finale, is they did not redeem Crystalis. I mean, it looked like they were going to. I mean, the fact that they were teasing it. And again, if you go to Dal Walsonator's um, YouTube page, you look up season six finale, season six finale reactions. You know, you see him and Katie Midnight Sonata. Um, basically, when they see, you know. You know, Starlight offering the hand of friendship, hoof of friendship to Crystalis and trying to basically get her to redeem. You notice, you go and watch that finale, and basically you have Katie and you have Thess going like, no, going like, show, you better not do what I think you're about to do. Ooh, and, and Katie's like, don't you, you know, even freaking, you know, even effing dare, if you know what I mean. And it looks like, and, and the reaction basically by the two, when it looks like it's about to happen, you're hearing them go like, no, 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 no. And then finally you get to that part where Crystalis slaps uh, the hoof away, you know, a Starlight's hoof away. And it's like, and, and, you're, and they are like, oh, thank God. Oh, and everything, because if anything, if there's any villain uh, in the show that everybody agrees with, is, is beyond redemption, you know, it's Crystalis. Even though a lot of people have come out and said, hey, this is what the concept of, you know, this is the design concept of what Crystalis could look like redeemed. And they're all going off the fact that if you go and read the IDW uh, comic, there's a multi-part event, kind of like a mirror world event, where on one side of a mirror, you have the prime Equestria world, but on the other side, you have the exact opposite of them, like, on one side you have it's like you on one side you have the prime world of Equestria where everybody's who they are, how they act. But on the other side of the mirror you have the exact opposite. You have the darker world. You have uh, the characters be exactly the opposite of who they are. 
And and it's not just the main seven Evan character. It's not just the main seven characters, but it's also Celestia. It's also Cadence. It's also Shining Armor. It's you know, it's Crystalis, which was the big one. You know, they're exactly the opposite of who they are in the Prime Equestria world. So a lot of fans were, like I said, relieved that she wasn't redeemed. Although fans pretty much felt that that time was coming, but guess what? It never did. Could it come in the comic down the line? We never, you know, one never knows for sure. Um, Anyway. Anyway, like I said, um, a lot, you know, they, and I'm sure a lot of fans were very thankful that didn't happen or anything. Um, But yeah, besides that, though, it's a decent finale. I'm not going to knock it or anything because... Again, like I said, they were attempting something a little different that instead of usually focusing the finale on the main group, that instead they decided to go in the other direction and focus on these other characters, you know, along, you know, with the twist or the double twist at the end of not only were not only these characters that you were focusing on, a majority of them captured as well and cocooned. But then you also had the way the the changelings were redeemed aimed in the end, how you went the exact opposite of what they do. And that is instead of feeding off love, they give love. So, so yeah, that was um, an interesting uh, concept in my, my opinion that they did. But um, yeah, you know, it's basically when people rank, you know, um, episodes, especially two-parters, when it comes to this show, again, just like with, um, you know, just like with Magic Mystery Cure, this is not looked at as one of the highest-ranked episodes, they, uh, finales they could do, or one of the best finales they could do. You know, the again, the only credit they give them is you know trying something different by focusing on these other characters instead of just the main, usual main group which is a good concept because you want to expand and develop these other characters. You want to do that. So again, cool concept in the end. The only mixed reaction that brought it down a little bit for a lot of people was uh, the double twist. Basically, you know, how can, you know, this group of people, this suicide squad, as they call it, because that's basically how they looked at it. They looked at it as being like a, uh, MLP version of the DC Comics Suicide Squad. You know, how can most of them be captured behind her back? You know that. How, how can most of them be captured? You know, behind her back. So, so yeah, it's one of those uh, interesting uh, scenarios right there. Uh, interesting scenario and twist. But then, of course, you had that other twist of how, you know, the changes are redeemed. So, again, it starts out good, has a great concept, but then to a lot of people kind of gets dragged down a little bit. So, um, overall, though, it's okay. And that's why I rank it's an all right episode. And that's why I rank it at number six. Now, num- number five. Now we're going to get on to number five here, get into the top five. Number five is. School Rays. That's right. Even though I like the finale, School Rays, it's good. Um, 
we pretty much knew, obviously, uh, when Cozy Glow was introduced um, around the second to last episode of the uh, first half of season eight, we kind of knew that something was up with her. I mean, the fact that even, I mean, especially when you have a magazine come out, and this was reported by Equestria Daily, you have a magazine come out and basically give away the fact of, oh, guess who the new villain is? Ding, 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 ding. It's this one. It's this character. It's this little Pegasi filly. And you're like, really? This is your main villain at the end of the season? So, yeah, basically, uh, even though we kind of knew it, even before she officially debuted, uh, her motivation in season eight, um, <laughs> you know, some people look at Starlight's motivation for what she was doing in the cutie remark as being kind of ridiculous, like, really? So you're going to doom all space and time and the universe, as you once quoted, or you once looked at it as, you know, just because of this reasoning and you didn't decide to move on and find new people, find new friends. So, you know, that's kind of how they look at. So basically, that's kind of how they look at Cozy Glow's <laughs> motivation in season eight, in, in a sense, being very identical and similar. Uh, but the only credit, the only credit that they give Cozy Glow, believe it or not, is, you know, she planned. She had a plan in mind. And even when that plan would kind of get uh, sidetracked, she would always find a way to get it back on track just like that, which is really interesting, really, which was an interesting uh, situation and concept for, for a villain. The fact that, okay, they realized, all right. What I was saying, and the, the fact that they, well, okay, uh, what was I trying to say? Oh, yeah. Basically, the they liked the fact that it was a con, an interesting concept for a villain to be like, okay, my my plans got a little derailed, but I'm going to get them back on track, and I know how to do it. I mean, take a look at some of the scenarios in season eight, in the finale. You know, she perceives that Starlight's going to go with Twilight and the rest of the main seven to Tartarus, right? She perceives that, but that doesn't happen. Instead, she finds out Starlight's going to stay behind as the as the subhead mayor, as the alternate set, uh, head mayor, if you will. So what does Cozy Glow do? Cozy Glow's like, okay, I got to figure out a way to get her out of the way now. And she comes up with an idea and she does what she does. And then all we later on, we see what she's done. And uh, to accomp to get Starlight out of the way, and then another situation was when she turned the tables on Naysay. You know, Naysay's out there and dressing the students and saying, "You know, this is what's going to happen now. I'm in charge. This is only going to be a school for ponies only." Da da da. And then you have Cozy Glow turn the tables on him and turn the students against him. So, so yeah, it's like. When you see a villain basically, you know, turn the tables on someone or come up with a plan on the fly when her original plans start to get a little derailed, that's really cool. That's a really interesting concept to go with. The other thing I liked about it was 
again, it didn't rely mostly on the main seven to, you know, finish the job or anything. That instead, it relied on the characters you pretty much knew were going to be the focal point at the end as they were at the beginning. And that was, as they were called, the young six, the student six. You know, Sambar, Gallus, Ocellus, Yona, you know, Smolder. Um, and, and who was the other one? Uh, let's see. Sambar. Yeah, Sambar. So Sambar, Yona, Gallus. Ocellus, uh, Smolder. I think I think that's the main, the young six, right? Sambar, Smolder, Ocellus, Yona, Gallus. Oh, Silverstream, right? Silverstream. I know somebody was gonna probably tell me that. So yeah, you have those characters focused on at the beginning of the series of the series of season. You have Sambar, Yona, Silverstream, Smolder. Ocellus and Gallus basically focused on at the beginning becoming friends. And then you have, and then obviously knowing they're going to get focused on at the beginning, you pretty much are clued in as, as to the fact that, okay, they're going to be focused on in the finale. And they are, because then you get several episodes throughout the se season, uh, which focuses on them um, as well. And pardon me for a second while I go check something. So, yeah, like I said, you know, when you have them focused on at the beginning... You know, you pretty much know, okay, they're probably going to be focused on somewhat throughout the rest of the series, uh, season and be a major focal point in the finale. And guess what? That's exactly what they are. They're a major focal point um, in the finale, which is pretty cool. Um, and I thought they were presented very well. I mean, the fact that you have Sambar basically pretend to turn on his friends just so he can help his friends. and you know, even most of his friends, like Silverstream and and Yona, um, kind of being like, you know, believing that he would, he's not, he didn't turn against him, and then for him to show up and say, you know, basically confirm that and say, yeah, you know, I'm I'm still with you guys, kind of deal. It was cool. It was cool to see, and it was also nice to see the CMCs. You know, Apple Bloom, Sweetie Belle, Scootaloo. It was nice to see them get a role in here and. And play up to their connection with with um, with Cozy Glow because when Cozy Glow got introduced, who's the one that um, she associated with in her debut? And that who who's the one that she associated with in the, in her debut? Which I think was what was it? Marks for Effort, I think. It was the CMC. So it was nice to see that connection. It was nice to see that connection, even though. Um, she, even though she kind of saw through what they were doing, uh, because obviously they knew what she was up to now, it was it was kind of cool still. It was kind of cool still to see that played upon that continuity, con that con continuity connection uh, from the earlier half uh, of the season being alluded to and connected to here in the finale. 
Um, the other interesting concept is when you think about it, school race also served as a bit of a sequel to another one I'm going to talk about in a little bit, because you had the revelation that Tirek was also involved and that for some odd reason, Tirek and Kozikla were able to communicate through pen pal la- uh, letters and Tirek through these letters was able to help Kozikla come up with the idea of how to drain the magic from Equestria so that she could become, so she could accomplish her goal. And this is where a lot of people, just like with the cutie remark and the revelation of Starlight's plan, kind of see the similarities. Now, they now they do admit that one of the similarities is both tried to stay a step ahead of the protagonists and all that. But, you know, the difference with, with Cozy Glow is, uh, but the difference between Cozy Glow and Starlight is... Cozy Glow was able to come up with, you know, plans and ideas to turn the tables in her favor, even when it looked like her plans were going to, her original plans were going to be derailed. She was able to come up with something on the fly. You know, like I said, take a look at what she did to Starlight by pushing her into this orb thing. Take a look at her turning the student count, the student body against Naysay, stuff like that. And it's like, okay, that's, you know, pretty intelligent for a villain to, I'll be able to turn the tables on somebody um, right off the bat. You know what I'm saying? You know, right on the bat to, or right off the bat at to try to keep things going in their favor. And again, it's, um, like I said, it's really, it's, again, it's, it's a really, a, a big contrast, a big, it's a real contrast difference between the two, because yes, Starlight manip- Starlight throughout season five was planning. She was following Twilight, planning her mo, um, planning her, you know, you know, planning out her strategy to get revenge and everything, and be able to try to outmaneuver Twilight. But the thing is, she never had um, a way of, you know, kind of coming up with an alternative idea to try to. Uh, derail Twilight from derailing her plans. I mean, yeah, she may have been able to stay a step ahead of Twilight by making a time portal pop up here and there at times to get her out of the way. But still, she didn't come up with other alternative plans to be like, okay, you know, this is not working. I got to come up with something different. And then she would because she didn't. Cozy Glow, on the other hand, would. It's like Cozy Glow saw, like I said, with Starlight, you know, Starlight remaining behind, like, okay, now I got to find a way to get her out of the way. Boom, she comes up with a scenario and an idea to how to do that. So, again, it's, um, you know, it's a big contrastic difference. But the similarity that, like I say, some people will look at it, uh, will look, look at between the two is the fact that the motivations are kind of weird. You know, it's like with Starlight, you know, she was upset that Sunburst, you know, Sunburst moved on. He got his cutie mark before her. He moved on before she did. Or he got his cutie mark before her instead of at the same time. He moved on uh, without her instead of with her. So basically, to so basically, when people look at the similarity, um, if you will, 
uh, between the two, it's because when you look at Cozy Glow's motivation as to why she's draining Equestria um, of its magic and everything, it's because she wants to become the empress of friendship. She wants to have all, she wants to be the one that has more friends than any pony or creature in Equestria. I mean, the fact that she, you know, even tells Twilight this at the end that, hey, as headmistress, I could collect more friends than you. You know, it's like, that's a strange reasoning. Why would you want to do that? You know, wh what's the reason? It's like, because you're questioning what's the motivation behind it. It's like, what's the motivation to wanting to um, get more friends than Twilight and be the empress of, of friendship? You know, that, or the empress of Equestria and stuff and, and everything. What's your motivation? You know, why do that? And again, it's a, it's a weird, like I said, it's a weird uh, uh, thing to look at. A kind of question. It's like, what, what's the point? What's the reasoning? You know? Um, anyway, though, anyway, though, it is, anyway, though, the one positive that a lot of people will look at is that when you look at a lot of the villains that came, that have been around, that have yet to be redeemed, and Cozy Glow was the third, believe it or not, uh, villain as far as we know, third or fourth one, that has not been redeemed. The one thing, the one positive people take away from this episode is Cozy Glow is probably one of the best villains they've had in a while because she's very, she basically proved, in especially in the later half of season eight, she could be manipulative. She can make people, make characters believe anything she says. And then she's always finds a way to still stay one step ahead. So it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool that for a series to have a villain like that that, you know, basically, as I mentioned, is always able to find a way to come up with a last second uh, idea to keep things on track the way they want. So, and and again, it was nice to focus on uh, another set of group of characters besides the main seven. And in this case being the, the young six, the student six, because again, you knew that with the premiere focusing on them becoming friends and everything, and some episodes focusing on them uh, throughout uh, the season, you knew the and the finale potentially focusing on them and having them being a major part of it, um, being a major part of it. You you knew that it was going to. Well, what I'm trying to say is, when you have the finale, when you have the finale or the premiere, I should say, focusing on the main on this new group of characters becoming friends, the young six, student six, you knew that the finale, they were going to play, so they were going to play somewhat into the finale. And they did. In fact, they were the ones that saved Equestria. They're the ones that saved Equestria. So that's, that's kind of the, uh, that's kind of the coolest concept uh, when you really think about it. Well, that's a really interesting and cool concept when you think about it. That they're the ones that saved Equestria, and they just became friends within that school year that they did it in. So, 
yeah, even though just like with Starlight's motivations and in, in season in the season five finale were kind of confusing for a lot of people, if not ridiculous, you know, the same could be said for Cozy Glows. But again, the big difference though is that even though Starlight tried to stay a step ahead at times, but never did. Cozy Glow was always a way to always found a way to do that, which made her, in a lot of people's eyes, a very believable villain. So, pretty cool. So pretty cool. So now at number four, now that we're done with number five, now we're going to move on to number four. Number four is Shadow Play. Uh, I know some people might say, "Well, you should reverse the numbers and all that on the first, on five and four, but I thought Shadow Play was good. Because it did kind of still rely on the main seven, or main eight in this case, as well as it did follow through on something that, you know, we thought it wouldn't follow through on finally. And that's finally officially introduced Star Swirl uh, to the realm of MLP FIM. But also introduced these other characters that in a previous episode, Campfire Tales, were only thought to be legend and fiction. And real, but actually real. So it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool to see that. But it wasn't just, you know, Twilight and Starlight and the rest of the main group that was involved in this. You also had Sunburst, which tied into the episode that came before it, which was Uncommon Bond, especially the ending uh, with the grab bag or grab barrel that had the Star Swirls journal in it. So that was cool. And it also had a lot of nods to continuity, which Voice of Reason, when they did a reaction video to that, which you can't really see anymore unless you see people's reactions to that reaction video, uh, which is the season seven finale, which is, again, number four here. Um, he loves the idea that continuity is being acknowledged all over the place. You know, he, he likes the fact that uh, when the main group, uh, the main six or the rest of the main six confronts uh, Star Swirl, after Star, Star Swirl kind of, you know, basically ignores or kind of dismisses one of Twilight's ideas. I like the fact that you have the whole group, and it's a great scene. You know, I talk about that Celestia Luna scene from Between Dark and Dawn where they burst through the doors of the castle room and the uh, castle of friendship and how they have that smug, confident, badass look to them which I consider a badass moment. Excuse my language. I do apologize. Um, I don't think it'll cause any demonetization. Hopefully, please God, no. Uh, but, you know, that kind of BA moment, um, if you will. I, I like the fact that um, basically you have a very similar moment you know, you have a very similar moment to, um, let me, uh, hold on for a second while I do this. You have a very similar moment uh, here uh, with the girls uh, uh, telling, um, you basically having the girls basically tell Star Swirl off, or basically tell him to his face, "Hey, don't underestimate Twilight before you have a chance to, you know, allow her to explain 
you know, you know, why this will work or why this, you know, why it's going to work and all that. And don't, you know, like, don't write her off. Don't write off any of her ideas before you have a chance to look them over. Which finally he does, and he does finally acknowledge, okay, that does sound like a good idea. I didn't think about that. You know? So it's it's one of those um, scenarios. So it's just, but again, it's a, a moment that you really like, that really makes this episode stand out. I mean, even Josh Scorcher, when he did the review originally for his Josh Scorcher channel, which you can now also see at his Fab Equestria channel, you know, there were several moments in here where he's like, yeah, this is actually pretty good for these characters. One, uh, for example, you know, when Rainbow Dash is confronting uh, Garble, uh, basically she acknowledges, wow, you must be slow. All Spike had to do to beat you was fall down. And Josh's uh, reaction is, wow, we sure Rainbow ain't the real fight? Uh, something like, Josh's reaction is, wow, we sure Rainbow ain't the real dragon here? Because she's spitting fire. And then later on, part of, like I said, part of that scene where, the, where you have most of them, you know, telling Starswell off and basically saying, hey, hey, you'll watch it there. This girl has, This girl comes up with better ideas than you even can think of. You know, you know that basically when they're telling them off, you have, from a continuity standpoint, you have Rainbow Dash hold up one of Twilight's wings saying, yeah, she got your, and by the way, she got her rings by finishing one of your spells. And going back to, you know, like I said, Josh talking about Rainbow Dash, uh, Rainbow Dash's role in this uh, finale, you know, when he, because like I said, when he mentioned how how she seemed to him, when she uh, told Garble off, or kind of marked Garble, if you will, then after this moment, he's like, wow. First she's spitting fire, now she's on fire. Because basically Rainbow is being exactly the way Rainbow is in the eyes of a lot of fans. She's basically telling it like it is. And she's telling Star Wars, hey, you're going to dismiss Twilight here? A girl that basically earned her alicorn wings because she had to finish a spell you never did. So it's it's kind of cool to to see that. Like I said, it's kind of cool to uh, to see that, um, if you will. But overall, it's great. It's really great. Now, yes, it does deal with a villain redemption. Uh, we find out that the villain is named Stygian. He's the one that brought uh, the group the original Guardians of uh, Harmony, as you want to call them, the pillars together, but basically felt left out. Like, you know, everybody was celebrating the pillars for saving the day on several occasions. And he just felt left out. And what did he do? He did something that obviously was the fault of him, was on him a little bit, but also kind of on the fault of the pillars because, you know, the pillars never gave him a chance to explain why he had taken the magical items because all they assumed was, oh, he wanted it for himself. But then you get the moment when Twilight goes into the Pony of Shadows because they're trying to banish the Pony of Shadows back into limbo. 
You you see Stygian trying to escape because he doesn't want to suffer that fate. You have Twilight going in there, confronting Stygian, bringing up what Star Soul mentioned, and then you have Stygian saying, no, that's not true. That's not true. Here's, you know, you basically have Stygian telling Twilight, no, that's not true at all. You see, and you, and you basically have Stygian mentioning, mentioning, and and I like the fact, I love this, I love this, because, like I said, you have Twilight going into the Pony's shadows because she sees Stygian trying to come out. You know, she brings up what Star Swirl said to them, and then you have Stygian basically explaining finally, no, that's not true at all. And when he mentions that, he starts explaining Annie and everything, because Twilight said, but, but Star Swirl said you... Well, you wanted to use your, the powers against them and is them and all that. And then Stygian finally, again, when he says, no, that's not true at all. And then Twilight brings up, well, Star Squirrel said you wanted to do this. Is Stygian's like, no, no. What I wanted was the respect, you know. And Stygian brings up the fact that, look, I may have not been as powerful as them. You know, or have the abilities that they did. But all I wanted was the respect. And I figured that if I make copies of the weapons my of the ability of the amulet of the magical items for myself, that I could help them. I could stand by their side and work with them. And the reaction you get from the pillars, like you see, what is it, Miss Maine, Misty Miss Maine's, Maine's and um, Meadowbrook's reaction, like Meadowbrook. Takes off her mask. She's holding. She's wearing that her mask. She takes it off and looks like and looks at Miss Maine. She's like, she's like, oh my god, we made a mistake." She's like, she has this shocked expression, of like, "Oh my Celestia, we we made a mistake." And in Star Scroll's reaction when he's hearing this, and he's hearing you know Stygian finally explaining the reasoning, he's like, he's got that same react. He's got that. Sh- he's got a shocked reaction too, like. Oops, maybe I should have listened to him. Maybe I should have heard him out. And Star, and I love it. And I love Star Swirl, uh, not Star, Starlight's react action when, you know, you know, Star Swirl has that surprise re- look on his face when he he finally hears the real reasoning behind Stygian doing behind, you know, the you know behind Stygian doing what he did. I love the react. I love that look on Starlight. She just looks at Star Swirl like, yeah, see, told you. Or like something like, yeah, see. You know, it's like she doesn't say anything, but she has that look at him like, you know, it's like, uh-huh, now what? <laughs> and so, so yeah, the, the episode was good in my opinion. I, I liked it. Again, it did have a redeemed villain because, yes, Stygian got redeemed because we find out that the whole situation with him being corrupted by the Pony of Shadows and stuff was because of a misunderstanding between him and the pillars. And then all they had to do was talk it out. All it had to be was like, look, listen to me. I only have these items because I want to make copies of them so I can fight alongside you. So, so there you go. And I think they were even, I don't know what it was, Maybe it's me, guys, but 
when you have the pillars, most of them, uh, telling the story of what they perceived at that time to have happened with what they perceived to be uh, his betrayal, Stygians, you hear Sinambula say that when he came back corrupted and everything, it dashed even any hopes she had for him. And you're thinking, well, wait a minute, why is she the one that's, why is she specifically singling herself out saying that, you know, when he came back the way he was, it dashed any hope she had. And I was thinking to myself, are they hinting at maybe she had a thing for him? And vice versa? I, I don't know. It's kind of strange that she's the one that she brought up that instead of saying, you know, instead of saying something along the lines of, you know, when he came back, he dashed any hope we had left in him. You know, she brings, she singles herself out by saying any hope I had in him. So it makes you wonder, you know, were they basically acknowledging um, perhaps something being there between the two that was more than friendship? You know, it, it, again, it makes you really think, um, if you will, was there a teasing there or something? But overall, I, I thought it was good. I thought it was really good. And again, I know some people might say I should swap the two, um, if you will. But I thought this was a bit better than the one that came after it. So, yeah, Shadow Play was great. I love the fact that you had uh, Star Swirl reunite. Uh, at the end, finally reunite with Celestia and Luna. And Luna kind of joking. Uh, oh, man, basically joking of uh, essays that they have long overdue or something. So so that's kind of cool and everything. So it's kind of cool. And I, I'm, I like it. I really do. So I thought it was great. And um, that's all I could say. Uh, that's all I can really say on it. And on it about... A shadow play at number four. So number three. Number three. Number three. It's hard because these next two. One should be in one position. One should be in the other. But number three. Is a cantalot wedding. That's right, Cantalot Wedding. Everybody looked at this, basically, especially with the song that came in, I think, what was it, part two, called The Day Arai, or Day Ari. They looked at this as being the uh, two-parter, along with the music it had in it, especially the Day Ari song, as the one that showcased, and Firebrand, a.k.a. Josh Scorcher, when he did his top uh, 15 countdown, the best and worst songs of the show, when he ranked this at number seven, I think, he said basically that when the song, the day re uh, hit uh, in this two-parter is when you knew this show was going to be big. And I have to agree with that. I have to agree because when you have, and it doesn't matter if it's an animated series or an animated movie or even a live-action musical or whatever, or Broadway musical. When you have the villain and the heroine 
singing simultaneously almost the same song, but different versions of it at the same time, but matching it up in a way that's perfect, then you know that, you know, they're onto something. You know that not only is the lyricist that put it together onto something, but you know that the studio, that the company, the creative staff is onto something as well when it comes to what it's connected to. And in this case, Cantalot Wedding, along with this song, really put MLP on the map. If it's like, if the first season didn't do it, and a majority of season, this two-parter didn't, and if the two-part season two premiere and, and then the rest of season two didn't do it, this right here, Cantalot Wedding did it. Cantalot Wedding did it. It put MLP on the map. No doubt about it. Put Friendship is Magic on the map with the introduction of a villain that you can't redeem and an enemy that you knew was probably going to make a return in the future. It put it on the map by expanding on the world of Equestria and introducing newer characters like Twilight's brother, Shining Armor, new character Cadence, and the connection that they have, you know, finally having Celestia, even if it was in defeat, put up a fight against Crystalis. You know, it had everything you were wanting. You even had a reprise of a song that Twilight sang earlier about her and her brother being BB or BFFFFs or whatever uh, for life. So it's really, really, really good. It's really good. And I, I can't say any more. If you want my opinion, if you want others' opinions, I say check them out. But it's a really good uh, finale. It, it really is. It's a really good finale, especially for a second season. Because, again, when you have, and like I said, Josh Scorcher brought this up best in his top 15 countdown. When you, you have a song like De Ari or De Ari um, performed the way it was, and you have an, a very a very well-renowned brony, um, brony and overall fan in Josh Scorcher saying, hey, this song, when it hit, showed that this show was going to be bigger than what they perceived. You know, then you know you're onto something. You know you are onto something, and that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. So, in my opinion, I can't say any more about Cantalot Wedding. The song Love is in Bloom also is iconic. It comes from the finale. It is a song that if you're an MLP fan and, you know, you have a wedding that's MLP uh, related because you met your fiance at a convention or you met your fiance through internet connections and you found out you both have a love for Friendship is Magic, then this song was obviously played at your wedding. You don't believe me? Take a look at. You don't believe me? Go and ask 
the Wilsonators, Despio, Katie Patterson, Midnight Sonata, because I'm pretty sure it was played at theirs because somebody basically put on their car. I think it was all dusted or something. It was put with, or somebody put glitter or something on it, spelled out with their fingers, love is in bloom. So if you don't believe me, check that out. And honestly, even ask Josh Scorcher and, and, uh, and Ari, the, or Aramound, the uh, fiery secretary, his wife. You know, I'm pretty sure it was played at theirs. But overall, I can't say any more about this. You want other people's opinion? Check out reactions to it. You can find them. Check out reviews to it. You can find them. And you'll probably hear more positive responses to what I to to what this episode is like uh, to add to what I'm saying right now. So go check it out. But number three. I know people might say it should go higher, but number three, Cantalot Wedding. And the reason it's at number three is because at number two is Twilight's King. I think, I think, is it Twilight's Kingdom? Yeah, it's Twilight's Kingdom. I think that's what it is. Let me, let me make sure of that. Let me make sure of that. Yeah, but number two is the season four finale, Twilight's Kingdom. See what it is. Yeah, Twilight's Kingdom. And the reason this is at number two is because Cantalot Wedding may have put MLP on the map. May have put MLP on the map overall with being as big as it was going to become. But if you really want to cross-promote Friendship is Magic is being for everybody, not just girls, not just young girls, not just young kids overall, but for everybody. You know, kids, teens, adults, you want an episode, you want something that's going to do that? Twilight's Kingdom does it. Twilight's Kingdom does it, and it does it because of one reason. One reason that stands out in the eyes of a lot of people and that is the fight between Twilight and Tyrek. Basically, Twilight gets infused with the magic of the other princesses because they know Tyrek has escaped and he's going to come for them. So you basically have this big old fight commence, Dragon Ball Z style, Kami Kami High, as some people call it, uh, between Tyrek and Twilight. And it's from what I have seen, just clip-wise, I have to agree. Because if you would have told me that we were going to have a fight between a main hero in the series and a villain that was not kid-friendly in a sense, that was not kiddified in any way, and that would warrant this as being the only, and I'm sure I'm saying, and I'm sure I'm correct on this, the only two-parter in Friendship is Magic to have the TVY7 rating slapped on it, then obviously you're on to something. Obviously, you know what you're doing, and they knew what they were doing because they knew, okay, Cantalot rating in season two, put us on the map. 
because of the music and everything, that's fine. But if we're really going to get across that this show is for everybody, not just young girls or kids or anything, but for everybody of all ages, it's got something for everybody, then we got to make Twilight Kingdom, Twilight's Kingdom in this finale be that reasoning or be that story that does it. And it did. It did exactly that. It was amazing. Again, just like we cancel out wedding, I can't say any more than what other people have said. Because when they did pretty much a rematch later on, many seasons later, although it's just a brief rematch, you know, you had people like the lost narrator and a little shy F little shy F I M. And several others being like, oh, goody, here we go again. Here we go again. Jack's Blade, you know, like, oh, boy, here we go again. Season four all over again. You know, it's like, it's basically, one of the, it's just one of those moments in the series that, again, if people say cancel out wedding along with the day RE for as one of the songs and reasonings MLP got put on the map, as being something big, this definitely solidified it by saying it was not just going to be something big, but it was going to be a show for everyone. It was going to have something for everybody. And this two-parter did it, and especially the fight between Tyrick and Twilight did it. So it was really cool. And what I liked about it, and I'm sure folks like Lightning Bliss liked it, Silver Quill liked it, you know, anybody that grew up in the 80s, 90s, and whatever liked it, was the callback to how Tyrek was defeated. Tyrek was defeated the same way his G1 version was defeated, and that's through the magic of the rainbow. That's right. Basically, throughout season four, it's hinted at, well, not hinted at, but there are certain episodes to where the main six go through these trials, and then when they finally realize, you know, you know, the truth, if you will, the real purpose as to what needs to be done, you get these rainbow reflections in their eyes that solidify that they understand, that they've achieved the key to the rainbow power. And the final key is given to Twilight by Discord. And why? Because Discord finally realizes what the importance of friendship really is because he was manipulated into joining Tyrick's side turning bad again to only find out Tyrick was going to betray him anyway. But yeah, but besides that and the continuity connection to all the episodes throughout the season and the season itself is looked at as probably one of the better seasons because you have a beginning which pretty much hints at what we're going to get at the finale at the end of the season. And then you have all those episodes for the main six where they have those moments of truth given to them that can, you know, basically uh, unlocks or gives them the key to unlock the rainbow power, which is really cool, which is really, really cool and everything. Because, again, it's a nice nod to the G1 Rescue from Midnight Castle pilot where the original T-Rex was defeated the same way. So, again, I like Cantalot Wedding, I can't say any more than what I'm saying now, guys, because 
again, you know, it's a nice nod and everything uh, to G1 and everything to D1. To like I said, it's a nice nod. And, you know, I highly recommend uh, if you want anybody else's thoughts on it and reactions, excuse me there. Uh, check out YouTube. You'll definitely get some reaction, big time reactions. Um, when it comes to this, so overall, can't say any more than that. Again, can't say any more than that. And and that that's really about it. So. On to number one, and obviously number one, you know, obviously number one, it should be no secret what it is. It's the series finale, the ending of the end, and last problem. And I've said what I've had to say about it um, in my review that I did last year. You know, I said what I've had to say. Um, in my review that I did last year on it. And everybody else has said what they've had to say about it. It's, I, I, again, I can't, I mean, you want a great finale, a perfect finale, or near perfect finale to any series, this is it. Um, I mean, look, there are, are there some moments in there that, again, make you question, you know, what what was this about? Why did you go this route? Um, you know, are those are, are there those moments in there? Absolutely. There are those moments in there. I mean, again, people even a year later don't like the idea that, you know, Grogar, this G1, powerful G1 villain that was hyped up to come, be coming in to the series soon was really Discord in disguise. But as I've talked about recently in a video, I think Grogar was the original plan, but somewhere, you know, midway between the writings uh, for the scripts for the mid-season finale between uh, between Dark and Dawn, I think around that time frame is when they decided to kind of switch things up and say, nope, instead of going with Grogar, let's just say it was Discord, and here's the reasoning why. And honestly, that, in my opinion, that's the truth. That's the truth, in my opinion, that I think it was, I think, honestly, that was the original plan. You know, they're not going to come out and say that, of course. But again, I think that was the original plan, that they originally was going to go with Grogar the entire time. But then halfway through the script writing and developing of the stories, they decided to go with the discord reveal. Uh, but besides that, it, besides that being the one moment, it did not to tear away from what was a great finale. It was a great finale, just perfect. Just, it, it just great to a T. There's no doubt about it. I mean, everybody got a chance to somewhat shine and have a moment, you know, you know, from starlight, finally having a confrontation and fight with, with Crystalis to the pillars trying to confront uh, Tyrek, which, you know, they could have done more, especially tie into the history of Star Swirl and Tyrek. You know, to, to Cozy Glow facing off against the main seven. And it's like you had 
everybody had a chance to shine. Even the princesses, Celestia and Luna, without their powers, got a chance to shine. You know, even Cadence in shining armor for the small role they had, had a chance to shine. Uh, but it was just just great. It was just an overall great finale. I mean, I, again, I can't say any more than what I've said before in my review that I did last year. I don't, you know, I can't say any more than what other people have said. I mean, I, I mean, honestly, being a Sparity fan, being a Sparity fan, I love the moment where when they were in that final confrontation with the villains, you know, you had uh, Rarity and Spike team up, uh, uh, kind of combine their powers, you know, the fire breath and, you know, Rarity's magic. And just briefly, they were actually holding off uh, Crystalis before she just flew, you know, kind of, you know, flew back a little bit and just shot a big old blast at them. So, again, I love that moment. Uh, It was just overall just good, just really, really good. And look, I understand that some people may be a little mixed about the whole petrify, solidify the enemies in stone, especially Cozy Glow. Um, but there are people like Silverquill that will come out and say, uh, yeah, but you have to remember Silverquill just tried to uh, kill, just tried to murder, you know, annihilate, finish off, disintegrate uh, the main group. She just tried to kill them. And uh, sorry for saying that word. If Hopefully nothing happens. But, you know, she just tried to off, you know, tried to off our main heroes. You know, and she's, and here's the thing. He can point back to the season eight finale when he almost did it to to Starlight by trapping her in that orb. So, yeah, there are several uh, reasonings that, again, someone like Silverquill would be, people like Silverquill would be justified, would be justified in saying, yeah, you might be upset about it, but remember, she just tried to off the main hero and her friends right before, right in the middle of her, you know, speeching or talking, if you will. So, yeah, again, it's, it's just one of those um, scenarios, um, scenarios to where you could be mixed about the, uh, what happens to the villains, but still it's like, you know, it's a nice callback. It's a nice callback because who's the one that suggests to Celestia and Luna once they get their magic back to go in that direction? And who's suggested and asked and while suggesting it asked to help them out? It's Discord because Discord realizes the only way you're going to actually get these villains out of your hair for a while until maybe you could teach them a lesson in being good and try to redeem them is to petrify them. And that's what they did. Now, the other thing people liked about it was the nice callback at the end. Well, with the ending of the end portion of the finale. With the, uh, you know, the, as Rarity puts it, the post-apocalyptic donuts that they share at Donut Joe's. So it was a nice callback to the season one finale and how that ended the same, a very similar way. Now, as far as last problem, which is also part of the finale, I thought it was good. It's a nice change of pace because you just you already got the action portion out of the way. You got the 
you know, the fights and everything out of the way. Now you can basically have a bit of an epilogue, bit of a relaxing moment and everything. And uh, again, I thought it was great. I thought, in my honest opinion, I thought it was a nice blending of, you know, what would the future and basically the past. Because what we had was we saw, you know, we saw a future timeline. A lot of people considered, and heck, they even put this transition in there called many moons later or many years later, you know, you have this transition into the future where you see a buff up spike or some people call it a Chad spike. Like if you will, and you have basically an a solidified alicorn twilight. Now who some people look at as being nothing more than a celestial redo, but with twilight's um, design on, um, on top of it. So, so overall, you know, I, again, I thought it was nice because not only do you get pretty much, pretty much what, what you get here is you get the introduction of Twilight's top student called Luster Dawn, and you kind of get the idea of exactly where they're going with this. And basically, basically it's hinted, basically it's kind of hinted at at if now fully hinted at or acknowledged that history is going to repeat itself, but maybe without less trouble. Uh, but again, I I thought it was great. I thought it was a good balancing because Starlight's telling the story of her coronation and how you know nothing's ever perfect and everything. And you know, and you know about you know telling the story about her coronation and how she was going to be away from her friends and you know this and that. So it was nice. It was a nice blend of going back and forth. And it was also nice to see exactly what the characters look like um, in the future. It was nice to see that Pinky, surprisingly out of all the characters, became a mom uh, um, and everything, which I guess kind of fits in her character, Would which would fit for her character because it's like, well, honestly, when you look at the main seven or the main six, you know, you have hinted, if not recently in this last season, that there is something between her and Cheese Sandwich. So why not go all the way with it? And they did. Um, I like the fact that Rarity is, you know, kind of still the same, except a little bit of silver in her mane, which obviously if she wanted to, is in her mane and her tail, which obviously if she wanted to, she could use her magic and die. And she nothing would really look like it's out of place. Ace and you know stuff like that. Love the fact that it's pretty much. I love the fact that we're pretty much confirmed, if not implied, that we have Applejack and Rainbow Dash as an LGBTQ couple. You know, fans have been wanting that, and they, I guess they finally got it. And then, of course, Fluttershy and Discord obviously implied, and if not semi-confirmed, that they're together. So it's nice to see where they all are at the time. Like Fluttershy is obviously living in between her world and, and Discord and Discord's world. Uh, Applejack and Rainbow Dash are living together, LGBTQ. Out, you know, Rainbow Dash is now captain of the Wonderbolts. Uh, Pinky, like I said, is a mom as well as head, I guess now the main uh, mayor in charge of the uh, Sugar Cube Corner. Uh, she's taking over for the cakes, if you will. Uh, you have... Um, Applejack is once now finally the head mayor 
of Apple of the Apple Acres, even though you might say she was already that, but in fact it was actually Granny Smith when you think about it. So it was it was nice to see uh, basically an idea of where they all were and everything. So uh, and, and then Spike, of course, being the ambassador of friendship uh, or royal advisor as well as the you know ambassador of friendship, I think. You know, um, it's really cool because now, you know, I was trying to think about something. That's why I was looking down for a moment, trying to think what I was going to say. Sorry about that. Uh, but anyway, it's really cool to, to see that with him because obviously it shows that he's got to go to all these different places and make sure, you know, make sure, you know, you know, there's peace between certain, um, you know, races or creatures. Like he references Abyssinians and Diamond Dogs. It's trying to keep peace between them not being easy. So it's kind of cool to see that. And I do like the fact that, you know, despite what you might think, I like the fact that in the finale, and I don't think, you, I don't know if you can see it from here. I like the fact that it does kind of, in my opinion, confirm or at least kind of maybe nod, acknowledge maybe that there is something between him and, and Rarity. That there's something beyond that maybe they did get together, but because of their jobs right now, you know, they're it's kind of like a, a long distance relationship, and but maybe they get together more so than uh, than anyone else. I also like the fact that you know, again, you obviously know where it's gonna where this is all leading to, uh, with basically history repeating itself. And yes, you know, I saw the reaction of Lost Narrator and. And, uh, and some of the others on the Bronies react, and they're like, really? We're doing this again? Really? We're going to do this? We're just going to repeat history? And, yeah, that's basically what's going to happen. But I like the fact that when it ends, you're left to the it's left to your imagination as to what the next direction is going to be and everything. But it also implies that Lester Dawn is going to pretty much do the same thing. Lester Dawn's going to take over for Twilight, like Twilight took over for Celestia and Luna. You know, Lester Dawn and her friends are going to do the same thing. And then, you know, rinse and repeat. Someone's going to take over for Lester Dawn. It kind of gives you that implicate or implication that, you know, Lester Dawn's going to be the next in line to rule Equestria along with her friend. And then later, and then the same thing after her and all that. But what I did like about it was also the song called Magic of Friendship Grows, which I have. Believe it or not, on my phone, I do have it on my phone, and I love listening to it. It's a great song. I like that you have the montage of all the characters at the end, you know, that was associated with certain members of the main six. Like you, when you have Rainbow Dash, like when you have um, Pinkie Pie go across, you see all the characters associated with her, as well as her family, Emily and all that, and her sisters and, and everything. And then the same thing with Apple, and the same thing with um, Rainbow Dash. All the characters associated with her from like the Wonderbolts, Bolts, and everything. You have that, and then you have Applejack and her characters and family associated with her. Same with Rarity. Same with Fluttershy, and then even of course Twilight. So I like those little montage group montages they had at the end when the characters would go across the screen individually. Uh, what I also liked about the finale was we got to see what other characters were. I love the fact that Lyra and Bonbon were officially married because 
if you watch the Big Mac question in the background, you see them both kind of proposing to each other, and love the fact that that was followed up on uh, in the uh, in the in the in the finale. And we see that. Love the fact that Derpy is still a ma male mayor, but obviously looks like she also has other jobs as well. Um, what else? I love the fact that Starlight and Sunburst are kind of together. It looks like they're together and they're both running the School of Friendship because, you know, she was given that position um, in the, uh, what was the episode? Was it, it wasn't student council or anything. I don't know why my thing just went off there. That was weird. I do apologize for that. But like I said, um, you know, it's uh, basically, I, I like the fact that, um, what was I trying to say? Oh, yeah. I like the fact that basically, you know, because, you know, I like the fact that Starlight and Sunburst are now the, are still running the school. You see a little, you see them a little older and everything. Uh, and if you have to know, I think it was, what was the episode? Um, let me, let me check here. And again, I, and again, for anybody that's probably going to listen to this in the audio podcast thing, my screen kind of went blank a little bit, goes into that sleep mode, if you will. I don't know why it did that when I was doing a live stream. That's kind of weird. I think, it's, and it's not the first time though, but you know, nothing's really bad. Nothing's really wrong. It's just kind of surprising. It's like, why, why did it do that? So I don't know. It was kind of weird. Um, let me check something guys. I can get the uh, episode right here. A horseshoeing. That's what it is. Uh, a horseshoeing. You know, in that episode, basically, uh, Twilight fulfills a promise that she made, I think, in one episode in the prior season, in season eight, that is, to make, uh, and I, I think that was a matter of principle she made that promise in, to make Starlight the head, the new head mayor of a, of the school, rule of friendship, since she's going to become the new ruler of Equestria along with her friends. So I liked, liked the fact that that was followed through on. And then, of course, you, like I said, here in the finale, you see in the future her and and uh, Sunburst running the school as, as head mayor and vice head stallion. And obviously probably hinting at the fact that they got together. Love the, you know, that's pretty cool. Like seeing Trixie in there as the counselor, student counselor, and actually looks like she's really grown into the job. And then, of course, you're wondering you know, who's going to be the teachers. Well, obviously, it's the CMCs. It's the CMCs. We finally see them. Uh, in the future, as the as some of the new teachers of the School of Friendship, obviously, will, along with the grown-up of Celis and Smolder uh, and Silverstream, along with them. So you have those six teaching, you know, at the School of Friendship. And we actually see the CMCs officially grown up. Yes, we had, uh, we saw them in the episode, growing up is hard to do, or by magic, they were turned into a fully adult uh, mayors, but then changed back to courtesy of the same magic because, you know, they only did that because they wanted to go to this carnival or whatever on their own. Um, so pretty cool. So it's pretty cool to see that. 
And again, obviously, uh, like I said, you see who are the teachers. Like, okay, you know Starlight and Sunburst are the, you know, head mayor and vice stallion and vice stallion, if you will, or vice head stallion. And Trixie's the student counselor. But it's also nice, like I said, you see that the CMCs along with Ocellus, Silverstream, and um, Smolder are the teachers teaching at the school, you know, taking over for the for the main six. So I loved seeing that. It was great. Eight and everything. And it's just overall just seeing where all the characters ended up. Like Sambar and Yona obviously are together. And Rarity has put Yona in charge of her boutique along with Sambar. Uh, you see that, of course, um, Big Mac and you know Sugar Bell are married, but they also have a kid. Uh, we see the Cake Twins grown up, and they're at Sugar Cube Corner along with Pinky and and Cheese Sandwich, and a grown up and a grown up freaking gigantic gummy, which really took everybody's surprise. There, I was like, "Whoa, see that!" And then, of course, like I said, you have. Uh, Rainbow Dash now in charge of the of the Runderbolts, and then and then Fluttershy, um, obviously living in between worlds with Discord, or as well as her sanctuary, so her animal sanctuary and stuff. And then, of course, there are some moments that are very somber. Like you see that you notice that certain characters are no longer there. Like with Applejack, she's wearing she's wearing Granny Smith's scarf. You see, Apple Bloom's wearing uh, Goldie De- Golden Delicious, uh, Goldie Delicious's uh, scarf, and it kind of makes you somber a little bit, like, oh, you know, they're not there anymore; they they've passed away. And then you start noticing, well, where are the other adult characters? They should still be there; they'll be a little older. And you kind of get the idea that they too may have passed on, on and everything. They they may have passed on as well. And you think, well, what about Spitfire? Spitfire is about the same age as. As Rainbow Dash, she's you know she shouldn't be dead, but you might get the indication that you know she's gone as well because there's a there's a line that Rainbow Dash sings in uh, the magical magical friendship song, magical friendship growth song, which she says, as long as we're to, as, something like uh, as long as we're all together or something like that, you know. As long as we're together, as long as we're all together, so I think that's the line, something like that. People pointed out that you notice that Spitfire is not in the in the in the picture as well alongside her when she says that. So it kind of gives you off the gives off the vibes that something happened to Spitfire. Like either she retired, she stepped down, or she may have died uh, in combat, or something occurred uh, to ride her out, so or to take her out. And um, hello, everyone, from Elsa to David to Ricardo Miles from Ukraine. So thank you guys for being in the uh, uh, live chat. And if you guys, again, want to donate to the Super Chat, Super Chats are indeed open. It is up to you, whatever amount you want to do. But which is like a retirement home, a retirement part of Equestria. So you're thinking, yeah, maybe that's where the the cake parents went, well, Mr. and Mrs. Cake went, and maybe where Spitfire went or something like that. You kind of get that indication, but you also kind of get an indication that some passed on. And like I said, with Rainbow Dash's line, it kind of gives you that vibe. Um, 
But again, overall, it's just a nice finale. I mean, I can't say any more than that. I mean, the fact that when you get that montage of characters behind each of the main uh, six altogether, you know, is really cool. Especially when you get to Twilight, tw the montage, the montage of characters behind Twilight. What's nice about that is not only do you see Tempest Shadow, who we do see uh, in the in the in the ending of the end part two, in that group, it, along with the rest of Equestria coming to the aid of the main seven. But you also have, you also see her in the crowd during the ceremony for Twilight's coronation. But then, of course, you see her in the group shot behind Twilight. But what's also cool about that is you also see Flash Sentry and Sunset Shimmer. That's right. Two characters from Equestria Girls, which basically confirms, just like with the sirens appearing in the flashback, that uh, the pillars would, um, that were, that are basically the same thing with the sirens I was trying to say that appear in the flashback of the story that the pillars, pillars were telling uh, Starlight and the rest of the main group uh, in the season seven finale, you obviously now see that there is a connection continuity-wise between Friendship is Magic and Equestria Girls. They're basically in the same continuity, same somewhat timeline. So there you go. And again, like I said, it was nice uh, to see... Um, Flash Sentry and Sunset included. And, you know, people like uh, Silver Quill and Palio, I think, so if I pronounced that wrong, we're kind of glad that they did that um, as well. So overall, the season, the series finale, uh, especially, so overall, the last problem part of the series finale I thought was really good. And the song they closed off on was really great. And I can't say any more than that. I mean, I do know, as everybody does, the season continuity-wise is continuing in the comics, if you will. Uh, so that's good. But from an animation perspective, this was a nice send-off. And I can't say any more than that. So at number one, of course, is indeed the series finale to MLP, My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. And that is, guys, pretty much, pretty much gonna do it for this live stream on my top nine, on the top nine series of top nine finales in My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. I really hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, thank you all for tuning in in the live chat. Really appreciate it. Um, again, when I do a future live chat in the future, I will have. Uh, super chats opened and everything for you guys to um, donate if you want to. I really appreciate re appreciate it if you would. Right, and everything. So uh, again, I can't really say any more than that. At and everything. So it just added a ad in there so if you see an ad at the end of the video don't be surprised but anyway though guys just want to thank you all for joining me in the live chat for this nearly two uh two hours and 20 minutes of discussion on the like i said the top nine finales in my little pony friendship is magic in my opinion i know others have their own uh thoughts on what they consider to be the top nine you know you might have a different order when it comes to the finales of the show 
But this is just my opinion on what I consider to be the top nine. And hopefully you may agree and may hopefully you may or may not agree with it. Uh, but, you know, let me know down below. Comment if you like. Again, thank you to those that joined me in the live chat, especially uh, Ricardo from Ukraine. Hey, nice to, you know, see somebody from there uh, coming in and being part of this. So, again, thank you all for joining me, guys. Really appreciate it. Support my channel here. Uh, support my Brian's Discussions channel. Help me to get 1,000 subscribers there. Check me out at my BW Roses Discussions podcast, which this will also be a part of later on uh, from an audio perspective, which you can find the BW Roses Discussions at Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Player.fm, Radio Public, Stitcher, uh, Breaker, Overcast, and hopefully down the line, Pandora, if that ever does occur. So again, guys, thank you all for watching. Really appreciate it. I will probably be back with another live stream, hopefully today. If not, I will be back with other content uh, as well, so you guys can check that out. But until then, let me know what you all think down below. Comment if you like. Really appreciate the support art and everything. Thank you all for the, those tuning in. And have a good rest of your Monday. And God bless. Take care. Stay safe.